Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 125. And today, I want to talk about aging. You're probably a lot younger than me, and maybe you're thinking that the subject of aging isn't relevant to you. Well, I hope you'll continue listening because this is an unschooling topic. I am going back to that question, does the world need unschooling? And I'm going to tie aging into unschooling. But before I get on to today's topic, I would just like to thank my newest Patreon patron, Kim. Thank you, Kim, for being so generous and making a pledge that will help me continue blogging and podcasting. I got really excited this morning when I got an email from Patreon saying that I had a new patron. Yes, thank you, Kim. Now I'm making some extras for my patrons, some behind the scenes videos, some other videos, and maybe the occasional extra podcast. And I posted in my Patreon feed asking what people would like. And this morning Kim stopped by and said that she would like to see some behind the scenes videos of our stomping ground, places that we go in our everyday lives. Could I be a tour guide and show her where we live? So I am in the middle of making my first behind-the-scenes tour guide video. This morning I asked my daughter Sophie if she would help me make a video. I had to go up to the post office in the village and I said to Sophie, could you wander along behind me and film some of the interesting things along the way? So that's what she did. Imogen and I took the two dogs, Nora and Quinn, and we walked to the post office where I had a birthday present to post. It's not a very long walk. We just walked down the middle of our street because there's no traffic at all where we live. And we crossed the main road and under some gum trees and out into the car park and across the road to the village store. Sophie also captured a clip of our disused railway line and the old railway station platform. It's been quite a few years now since we had trains running through our village, but the train track is still there. So Kim, I hope you're going to enjoy that video. I will try and put that together over the next few days and then I will post it in the Patreon feed. If anybody else would like to become a patron of my blog and podcast, I would really appreciate that. I invite you to go over to Patreon. I will leave a link in the show notes and maybe you can have a look and see what it's all about. And if you have any special requests like Kim's, please let me know. I'm really willing to help my patrons in any way I can. Well, on to today's topic. Aging. Why am I thinking about aging again? Yes, I talk about aging at regular intervals. Well, probably I talk about it every year this time because it's my birthday soon. Another couple of weeks and I will be celebrating another birthday. 
And although I always think that I've come to terms with getting older, every year around my birthday, I start thinking about it again. Maybe this is a natural thing for people to do. It does take a lot to adjust to our new stage of life. Maybe getting older isn't as straightforward as younger people might imagine. I think it takes time for us to adjust to any change in our lives. So, do I mind getting older? Well, to be honest, I like being who I am right at this moment. I don't really want to be any younger. I don't want to go back to the person that I was when I started out. When I married my husband, Andy, I think it was about 35 years ago now. I don't really want to be the young mother I was when I had my first daughter, Felicity, even though there were a lot of pleasurable moments to having little babies and toddlers. And I do miss all that. But no, I don't really want to go back. I think I have learnt a lot and developed a lot since those days, and I guess that's just as well. It would be very sad if we didn't learn as the years went by. And looking back, I sometimes cringe at the person that I was, a young person who thought she knew it all. I sometimes wonder what my friends thought of me all those years ago, my school friends, and then my university friends, and then my young adult friends. Obviously, they must have liked some aspects of me because they were my friends. But in many ways, I wasn't a good friend. And even though I still have a long way to go, I do believe that, that I am a much better person today than I was when I was younger. So that's a good reason for accepting my age where I am today. And of course, there are other pleasures of being where I am, who I am today. Yes, I no longer have babies and toddlers, but I have wonderful adult children, wonderful teenage children, and I am enjoying being a mother to those children. I have a very wise friend. She once told me that she has enjoyed every stage of her life. She enjoys living in the moment. There are always pleasures to soak up at every stage of our lives. It doesn't matter whether we have young children, older children, young adults, whether we're young, whether we're middle-aged, whether we are older people. As long as we accept where we are on our life's journey, we will find happiness and peace. And as we get older, I don't think we can enjoy the next stage unless we are willing to let go of the previous one. If we are ready to move on, I am sure that there are numerous pleasures awaiting us. But saying all that, there are still times when I find aging difficult. As I said, it's not a matter of wanting to be younger. I'm fit and healthy. I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm learning. I'm, I'm a creative person. Life is interesting. Life is even exciting. I have lots of wonderful opportunities. I'm learning and growing. And who knows where I will end up. Yes, I still have plenty of adventures ahead of me. So what is the problem? 
Well, I think when I tell you, you think the problem will be vanity. I just don't like looking older. My inside feels young. My outside doesn't match up. But I'm not sure if it is a pure case of vanity. I think it's more about how others perceive me. Because we tend to judge people by their appearance. We also classify people. She's a baby, she's a toddler, she's a child, she's a teenager, she's a young woman, she's a mother, she's a middle-aged person, she's older, she's a senior. And we assume things about people depending on what category we place them in. Of course, there are subcategories as well. Depending on our fashion sense, whether we use makeup or not, other things about us that might give people some idea of the person that we are. But age. We might assume we know what a person is like from their external appearance. We judge, we make assumptions, we might even criticize, but certainly we do make some kind of decision about a person, depending on their appearance, their age, their fashion sense, all those things that I've been talking about. But I guess my problem is that I don't want people, younger people, looking at me and thinking, oh, she's getting older, she's an old person, I can't relate to her. She won't understand my stage of life. Maybe people think that older people don't play an important part in society. They don't have valuable things to say and do. They've had their time. They pass the baton to younger people. And older people maybe are supposed to sit back and just be old. Yes, but I'm not like that. I don't want to go there. I don't want people to look at me and think, oh, she's just an old person. I know I've got a long way to go yet. I'm not exactly old, but yes, I'm getting that way. I have a story that will show you how people do make assumptions. And this story is about my doctor. I shared a few of these details last winter. I had the flu and I hardly ever get sick, but this time I felt so bad that I did make a doctor's appointment. I saw the doctor and he looked up my records and he said, you haven't been to see us for seven years. Why is that? And I said, well, I've been very healthy. I haven't needed to see a doctor. The problem I was concerned with was that I had taken too much paracetamol. I had been sick for a couple of weeks and every day I'd been taking paracetamol and I got to the stage where I didn't think that I could swallow another tablet even though I wasn't feeling any better. So this was the reason for my doctor's visit and I tried to explain this to him but I don't think he was listening. The first thing he did was take my blood pressure and he found out that it was high and then he said to me, People like you are prone to high blood pressure because of your age. It's a good thing you came to see me because now I can put you on some medication because it's dangerous to have high blood pressure. People of my age, 
I was quite put out, and I tried to explain that I thought the high blood pressure had a lot to do with me being sick and taking all that paracetamol. But he was having nothing of that. He said he was going to send me for a lot of blood tests, and I had to come back and see him in a few days' time. He was about to prescribe me some medication for my high blood pressure, but I refused to take it. I said, "Can't we wait until I'm feeling better? Because normally I'm in really good health." I said, "I'm fit. I watch what I eat. I'm not overweight." I said, "Most days of the week I go for a five-kilometer run." Anyway, he raised his eyebrows, and I don't think he quite believed me. A person of my age, I couldn't possibly. Be that fit, so I had those blood tests, and the days went by, and I came back to see the doctor, and he took my blood pressure again. But before he did that, the first thing he said was, "How's the medication going?" And I said, "Don't you remember? I didn't take any medication. You said it was okay if I waited and had another blood pressure test after I was feeling better." And so he took my blood pressure. And my blood pressure was normal, and I was so glad that I hadn't just listened to the doctor. Yes, he had judged me because of my age. Women my age don't go running. Women my age don't watch what they eat. They're not fit and healthy people. Well, I guess that's what the doctor thinks. Maybe he sees a lot of sick people my age, but I don't think. That he should have had preconceived ideas about my state of health. The other aspect of getting older, I think, is the feeling of shame, feeling guilty about looking older. Why should I feel this way? What's a few wrinkles and crinkles round my eyes? Why should they affect the way I feel about myself? Well, in a very early podcast, I spoke about aging as well. And I was talking about how society expects women to look young, even though we are getting older. There's all sorts of lotions and potions on sale to slow down the process of aging. There's a lot of beautiful older women who are promoting these products. Surely we have all the resources at our fingertips to keep ourselves looking young. Young and beautiful—that's the way we should be. So I look in the mirror, and even though I use some lotions, I don't go overboard because really it's a matter of expense. We can only afford so many of these products. But I look in the mirror, and I still see signs of aging, and I wonder why don't I look as good as I should? I have failed. You might think this is a silly way to feel, but I do think there is a lot of pressure on women to keep their youthful looks. You just have to look at all the advertising on the internet and in shops, and on the television. Even though I don't watch ads, sometimes I'm ashamed of being ashamed of looking older. Yes, it's such a trivial matter. Why let myself get caught up with all these negative feelings? And for one of my birthday posts, maybe it was a couple of years ago, I did write a story by that title, "Ashamed of Being Ashamed of Looking Older," and I'm going to share that story with you today. 
The other day, while I was browsing the shelves in our local library, a book title jumped out at me. Why time goes faster as we get older. Yes, time is definitely speeding up as I age. When I was a child, a day felt like a week. A week lasted a month, and a year was forever. Now a week disappears in an instant. Every Friday, I wonder, where did this week go? How can it be over already? I want to slow time down, grab hold of it, and hold on tight. I want to savour each moment. I don't want to get any older. I remember when I first realised I was ageing. One day I looked in the mirror and I saw them, the first tell-tale lines around my eyes. How had they snuck past me? I felt a little ashamed. How could I have let myself slip into a visible old age? I should have done something. But what? By the time we notice we're ageing, it's too late. Sometimes I wonder how I can go out in public with all these lines and wrinkles. What will people say? I suppose they could say, Hey Sue, you're looking old. But would they? Is getting old really something to be ashamed of? After I'd borrowed my library books, I had one more job to do while I was in town. I needed to renew my driver's license. While I was filling out the renewal form, I noticed something interesting. There is now such a thing as a 10-year license, as well as the usual 1- and 5-year ones. I was thinking how good it would be to have one of these longer licenses when I noticed something else. I'm too old to apply for one. And I'm not just slightly too old. I'm 10 years too old. As I waited in the queue with my form, my mind was busy doing some rather alarming maths. How many more five-year licenses can I apply for? How long have I got before I have to have an annual checkup and driving test to make sure I'm not too feeble to be in charge of a car? Oh my, I reckon the way time is marching on, that day will arrive very soon, like maybe in a year or two. By the time I arrived at the front of the queue, I felt like a very old woman. I hobbled up to the desk and with a quivering hand passed over my form saying, I'm too old for a 10-year license. So am I, laughed the woman serving me. She didn't look that old. I do have some good news for you, though, she added. Your license will be half price because you haven't lost any demerit points. That cheered me up. I have a perfect driving record, not bad for someone who's racing towards extreme old age. It was my birthday a couple of weeks or so ago. My daughter Sophie took lots of photos of my special day, and I accidentally managed to get into a few of them. Later, when we were looking at them, my youngest daughter Gemma Rose said, You look beautiful, Mum. But what about all the lines around my eyes, I asked. They make me look very old. No, they don't. They're only smile lines. You smile more often than most people. That's why you have lines. Just a moment ago, I was feeling ashamed because I'm looking old. Now I'm ashamed I was feeling ashamed.
Perhaps I should now feel ashamed about wasting so much time writing a post on such trivial matters as my aging appearance. Gemma Rose is bright. I'm always smiling because I have lots to smile about. Aren't I blessed? I think I'll stop right here and go do something more important, like hug a daughter, before today turns into the day after tomorrow, before any more time races away. Yes, we can waste a lot of time and get ourselves all tied up in knots by focusing on trivial things like getting older and our aging appearance. So why do I want to return to this topic today? Why am I making a podcast about aging? Well, that's because I am tying aging in with unschooling. Let me explain. The other day I was talking with my daughter Sophie. I was mulling over the thought that many people don't respect older people. They don't value their wisdom and their experience. Some older people aren't close to their families. They are abandoned in such places as retirement homes. Yes, they don't hold a position of respect and love in their families. And I was wondering why this is. If people respected age and wisdom more, maybe I wouldn't have such a problem with getting older. The future does look bleak for older people. Sophie listened to what I had to say, and then she gave me a surprising answer to the question, why don't younger people respect older people? Maybe a lot of people think the problem lies with younger people, that they should just respect those people of greater age. But Sophie thinks that the problem starts with older people. They demand respect. They criticize younger people. They put them down. They're not very interested in them. They are more interested in themselves. They complain a lot. Yes, sometimes they make life very difficult for younger people. Now, I'm not talking about all older people, because in a little while, I've got a wonderful story about some wonderful older friends of ours. But on the whole, Sophie has met a lot of older people who are the way I have just described. These are people she comes in contact with a lot. And she is thinking, why should younger people respect older people when that respect isn't reciprocated? You can be polite to older people, but if they're not treating you very well, why should you respect them? So I said to Sophie, how can we change society's view of older people? And she said, it starts with adults, not young people. If adults start to take an interest and support younger people, if they build up the connections and value younger people, then younger people and older people will be able to have mutual respect for each other. She says that it only takes a few people to start doing this. Others might follow their example. And we're back again to that question, does the world need unschooling? Because, of course, unschooling parents respect and accept and love their kids. 
They build up those connections. They support them. And children, in return, respect their parents. Yes, parents and children have good, strong bonds, good relationships. And I don't think that these good bonds will last only for the period of a child's younger years. No, I see it extending years and years into the future throughout everybody's lifetimes. When children are younger, the parents do most of the supporting and encouraging and looking after. But as time goes by, children start to take over these roles. They start to encourage and support and help their parents. My children are always doing this with me, but I can see that it's going to keep on increasing as I get even older. I know that I will never be abandoned in a retirement home. No, if I, of course, if I want to live with older people, that's my choice. But I will never be in the position where my children force me to live in a place that I don't want to go. I will never resent my children. I will never criticize them, saying they don't care about me. All the years that I spent looking after them, and now they're too concerned about themselves. They've forgotten about me. They've forgotten about what I gave them. And I know that a lot of older people do say such things, but I am never going to say that because I'm sure my children will never stop looking after me. Of course, I've got to be careful. I can't start moaning and complaining and groaning about getting older and making myself very unpleasant to those around me. I can't become a grumpy old person. No, I have no intention of doing that. I guess my children will still put up with me, but I don't think that's very fair. So does the world need unschooling? Yes, of course it does. We need mutual respect between young and old. And then maybe we will value our young people. We will also value our older people and anybody else in between. There will be no need to worry about getting older. We won't have to be ashamed of looking older and belonging to a category of people that some younger people do not respect and value. Now older people... Older people still have an important part to play in the world and they should be allowed to play that part. They have a lot of things to offer. And this gets me onto my story about the wonderful older friends we have who are making a difference to the world even though they are older. Well, the differences they are making are because they are older. They are sharing their experiences, their talents, their wisdom with younger people. We know a lot of older people, people older than me even. And a problem some of these people have is that they get very defensive. They want to hang on to their position in life. Maybe they have some sort of talent. Maybe they sing or they play the piano. And they want to be known as a good pianist or a good singer. They want to retain the value that they had as a younger person. And so they are reluctant to share their skills with any younger people who might be coming along behind them. 
they are reluctant to acknowledge a younger person's talent. They don't want to stand aside and let younger people take the stage. I guess this is very natural when society doesn't value older people. They want to cling to what they had, so that people still think that they are important. But it can be very frustrating for younger people, and it is also a waste of an opportunity for older people to pass on all that knowledge that they have gained over the previous years. Now we are very lucky because my children are musical; they enjoy music very much, and we happen to live in an area that is known for its music. There are lots of choirs, lots of musical things going on, and we know some wonderful older musicians. And I want to tell you today about one particular musician. His name is Ian. I think that I will tell you the story, and then maybe I will discuss a few points afterwards. The story is called "Playing for Ian." I wrote it six years ago. Yes,、yeah, quite a long time ago now. My son Callum's singing teacher suggests he audition for a local choir. A few days later. Ian, one of the choir directors, listens while Callum sings a song from his repertoire. Yes, he can have a place. He will be a bass. A few weeks later, Ian says, "I hear you've got a sister who sings." Callum nods, and Ian continues, "Bring her with you next week." So on Monday evening, Callum arrives with Imogen, who is clutching her music. She sings for Ian, and he smiles and welcomes her to the soprano section. One night, Ian says to Imogen, "I hear you play the piano. One day, you'll have to bring along your music and play for me." Imogen looks rather nervous. Play for Ian? He's a first-class musician and piano teacher, and she hasn't had a lesson for a long time. Her teacher retired, and she's out of practice. Imogen is sure she couldn't play anything impressive. She smiles and hopes one day is a long way off. For a few weeks, Ian says, "One day you'll have to play the piano for me." And then one day arrives. He says, "Next week, bring your music." So the next week, Imogen plays the piano, and Ian listens. He smiles encouragingly. The next morning, the phone rings, and Imogen answers it. It's Ian. He wants to know if he can teach me the piano. She says with a huge smile. I know we can't afford the fee for a top teacher like Ian, so I say, please thank Ian, but explain we have a large family and can't really afford lessons. Imogen hurries back, smile gone, to deliver my message. A couple of minutes later, she reappears. The smile has returned. Ian says he wants to teach me piano. He doesn't want payment. So a few days later, I sit outside Ian's house while Imogen has her first piano lesson. When she reappears, I ask, "How did it go?" Wonderful, she enthuses. Ian asked if any of my sisters play the piano. I told him about Charlotte, and he said to bring her along next week. He wants to teach us both. So each Monday evening, Callum and Imogen go to Ian's house for choir practice. 
and every Thursday morning I dropped Imogen and Charlotte off for their piano lessons. One evening, Callum asks Ian if Andy can join the choir too. Dad is driving all the way into town to bring Imogen and me to the practices. Could Dad stay and sing too? He's a good singer. Ian smiles and welcomes Andy to the choir. Another bass. Imogen and Charlotte tell me Ian wants them to do their grade piano exams. He has already filled out the registration forms and paid the fees. All I have to do is bring the girls into town for extra lessons. All they have to do is practice hard, which they do willingly, because they love music and love pleasing Ian. The day of the exam arrives and Ian accompanies the girls to the exam room. It is a freezing winter's day and the cold exasperates Ian's ill health. But he isn't put off. He sits in front of the heater while the girls play their pieces. He is eager to know their results as soon as they emerge from their ordeal. Read out the results, he says excitedly. The girls obey and Ian smiles. Two weeks holiday and we'll start on the next grade's work. The girls enjoy the break but they're also looking forward to tackling some new pieces of music. For more than four years, Ian teaches and the girls practice. Ian enters them for exams and prepares them well, and the girls advance through the grades. And for more than four years, Andy, Callum and Imogen attend choir practices and enjoy performing. Music fills our home. One stormy evening, the singers return home early. The power was cut and the lights went out, explains Andy. We couldn't see our music. We all used our mobile phones to find our way to the door. Ian volunteered to show us the way, says Callum. He said, if anyone wants to take my arm, I'll guide them to the door. You know how he is. He thought it was very funny. We think about this for a moment. For once, Ian was in full control of the situation and everyone else was at a disadvantage. For of course, blackouts don't affect the blind. This year's piano exams are almost here. In three weeks' time, the girls will be heading off to the exam centre, hoping to play their best in the few minutes allotted to them. They will spend half an hour in the practice rooms before their exams. Then they will stand outside the examination room building to await their turn. No doubt as usual, the wind will be whipping around the corner, making the girls shiver. They will find it difficult keeping their precious fingers warm. When their names are called, the girls will enter the building and head towards the examination room. The grand piano will be waiting, and they will play their best. But this year, Ian won't be sitting in front of the heater, listening as Imogen and Charlotte play. He won't be there to say, read out the results, and add, congratulations, well done. He won't give the girls two weeks break before they start on the next grade's work. No, Ian died last Friday. Tomorrow we will say goodbye to an extraordinary person, an extraordinary musician, an extraordinary friend. Ian, thank you for your friendship, your generosity, your encouragement, 
your laughter and sense of humor, your example. Thank you so much for including our family in your life and sharing your talents with us. You will live on in our memories. You will live on in the girl's fingers. Imogen and Charlotte will be playing their best for you in three weeks' time. Ian, you are now in the light, and we remain behind, blind in the dark, and we are missing you. One day, we shall follow you home. Yes, I still feel very emotional when I read that. He was a wonderful person. From the story, you will have heard that Ian was blind. But that didn't affect who he was. He didn't let that stand in the way of all the things that he wanted to do. He couldn't judge people by their appearance. All he was interested in was helping others, passing on the talents that he had, loving everybody. Yes, we were very fortunate to know him. We had a lovely surprise a few weeks after Ian died. Ian's wife, who is also a piano teacher, she approached us and asked if Imogen would like one of Ian's pianos. He had a few of them because music was his life, and the pianos were all very beautiful instruments. And Ian's wife said to us that Ian wanted Imogen to have a piano to continue playing music. Music was her life too, and so yes, we have that piano. It sits in our family room. Not only does Imogen play it, but all the girls play it. It is the centre of our music. So we will never forget Ian. And I think that that is a very positive point to leave my discussion about ageing. If only I could grow into the type of person that Ian was. Not worry about appearance, not worry about getting older, be willing to share the talents that I have to keep on working to help younger people. I hope you enjoyed my stories today. That last story isn't on my unschooling blog. It's on one of my other blogs, my Catholic family blog. I don't actually write there anymore, but all the posts are still online. So I'm coming to the end of episode 125. I've just got a few end things to share with you. First of all, I have an additional thing to say about last week's podcast, Does Unschooling Work? As usual, I left something out, something important. I gave all the reasons why I think unschooling works, but I left out the one about good relationships between children and parents. I think a lot of people sacrifice these relationships while their children are growing up, thinking that there'll be plenty of time, for example, to be friends once their children are adults themselves. And they will battle through those childhood and teenage years, thinking that they are making sacrifices for their children, not realizing that we can have good relationships with our children at the same time as doing the best for our children. We can be friends and parents. We can do responsible things, have fun with our kids as well. Yes, all at the same 
time. So, does unschooling work? Well, if you want to be close to your children, if you want them to respect you, if you want to respect your children, yes, have strong family bonds, enjoy family life together, have no battles, work together to help each other become the people we are all meant to be, then yes, unschooling does work. Another thing we were talking about last week was my new podcast idea, the one about contributions from other unschoolers. I'm looking for other unschoolers who would be willing to share their stories, their unschooling thoughts and ideas, and record them, and then send me the file that I can include in episodes of my podcast. A bit like guest blogging, but guest podcasting. I wonder if I explained that so you understand. Maybe you listened to last week's episode or read my recent blog posts about this idea and maybe you know all the details and understand what I'm saying. Anyway, I'm hoping that you will stop by my blog and offer to record something for this podcast. Nobody has done that yet. I have a blog post with exactly zero comments. And that could be a little bit disappointing, except for the fact that I know that I have four people who are willing to record something for me. But yes, we want more. I could keep this going for quite some time if you are willing to be involved. Yes, I want to hear your story. I was discussing this idea with someone on Instagram the other day. Now, this friend said that she had enjoyed my podcast and she likes this idea of hearing from other unschoolers. And so I replied and said, would you like to record something? Would you like to be part of my podcast? And she said that she has only been unschooling for a year. Did she have anything valuable to say? And I said, of course you do. I think that we need to hear from unschoolers at all different stages of their unschooling journey. Also unschoolers from different countries, different lifestyles. There's not one way of unschooling. We all have something to offer. But anyway, back to this unschooling friend who has only been unschooling for a year. I think that a lot of unschoolers who are in a similar position or people just sitting out or even people just thinking about unschooling would like to hear her thoughts and ideas. And so would I. I would like to hear about how the first year has gone, how she and her family came to unschooling, any problems that they have encountered, ideas that they might have had to change, ways of thinking, how their eight-year-old son has adjusted to unschooling. I mean, there are so many different things that she could talk about. So this friend said she would jot down some ideas, and I am hoping that she will agree to record something for me. And I've just remembered I have another possible contribution. I emailed a friend this morning who lives on a farm. I don't think she always lived on a farm. She followed her dream. And I would love to hear about her and her children's unschooling lifestyle on the farm. Yeah, what did they do and how difficult was it? to establish themselves on the farm and all those kind of things. So don't let a lack of experience stop you from offering your help. You have something important to say. 
So please go over to my blog, leave me a comment. I will email you back. We can talk about the possibilities. I mentioned a friend from Instagram a moment ago. Yes, I'm back on Instagram posting photos and unschooling thoughts. I would love it if you joined me there. My account is stories of an unschooling family. I'll put a link in the show notes. There are a couple of lower dashes in the Instagram address. But I'm sure if you do a search or search my name, Sue Elvis, you will probably find my account. As usual, I'll put the show notes on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I invite you to visit my blog, stop by, say hello, comment on anything that I have spoken about today. Maybe have a look through my archives. Yes, there's a lot of posts there. Of course, I'm hoping that you will visit my Patreon page. If you feel that what I'm doing with unschooling is valuable, maybe you've been helped in some way, then please consider making a pledge. I was talking last week about a lack of self-confidence, how we put our work out there into the world, and it can take enormous courage to do that. We don't want to promote ourselves because we think, what if nobody thinks what I'm doing is very important, very good, very valuable? But I've been thinking about that. I think that we have to believe in what we're doing. So this week, I'm going to say, I think that I'm doing a good job. I have a lot of skills. I hope the work that I do does spread the word about unschooling. I hope it does help other people. So I encourage you to get out there, share your work with the world. You are also doing important work, work that will make a difference. So time to say goodbye until next week. I hope you're all well and happy and enjoying your unschooling lives. I want to thank you for listening to this episode and I want to encourage you to trust, respect and love unconditionally. Oh,